the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The word of God. Please be seated. We start a new series today, Wonder. These are based off the words of Jesus in that very book, Mark chapter 10, where he says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Children have a real sense of wonder, especially around this time of year. They, they just, everything is so magical and beautiful and wonderful to them. What can we learn about kingdom living through the eyes of a child? What would it be like for us as we approach the Advent season and the scripture childlike? Well, for the whole of this season, we will continue to go down the Advent path using wonder and awe and being like a child to see what this time and this Christ holds for us. So speaking of wonders during Christmas... Let's talk a little bit about Christmas lights. How many of you enjoy Christmas lights? Just by a show of hands. Yes, there you are, you people. There you are. There, are. there are two kinds of Christmas decoration style people that live in this world. There's this one. Uh, they like, this is them. They decorate with velocity. They're, they're not sure why or how much. They just go. And they go and they go. And, and they've got, they cover all the bases because they don't know who's showing up at Christmas Eve. They don't know if it's Santa or Jesus or the electricity uh, utility company. So they're going to have it. They're going to have all of it. All of it. Do you know someone like this? Are you that person? <laughs> they exist in our world. And then there's these kind of people. My wife and I belong to one of each of these schools. I know, she's such a Grinch. <laughs> no, I, I belong to the Ditto clan myself. Her and my brother have worked very tirelessly to help me learn the errors of my ways. We went to my brother's house at the beginning of November just to pop in and visit, and his Christmas lights were in full display. They were going early November. What happened to Thanksgiving? They don't know. They don't care. Christmas is on. Christmas is on display. He's drinking hot chocolate. We're in Southern California. It's 80 degrees. But he's got hot chocolate with a Christmas mug. He's warm. He's got his, his gear. It, it has started for him. And, and for him, this is, this is the way that every year should be displayed and celebrated. I have had to learn among the years how to become less of a Grinch and more of someone who's willing to spend money on electricity during this season. And it still hurts to today. No matter which school of Christmas decorations you are a part of, it is a true fact that 
when we are driving around and you begin to see the lights, it signals to each of us that the season is changing, that something different is about to begin. And slowly and surely as we roll forward, more and more lights begin to display and take order. And, and it, it tells us, there's this, there is this proclamation to us that yes, indeed, the season is new. There's something different in the air. This is that time where you and I and us, we begin to walk a little differently, breathe a little differently, greet each other a little differently because the signals of the lights have begun to take place. This is what it is in Mark's gospel. He, he signals that there's a darkness that's ending and a new season is about to begin. There's a brightening here that begins to happen and he proclaims it in the title of his gospel. We are here with Mark. Mark says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. We are witnessing the beginning of good news. Here it is long awaited and anticipated and now it begins the good news begins to take hold this aeongelion now uh, to be to be sure aeongelion is not a a a religious word it's not a christian word though we often use it in that context because the gospel almost feels like it belongs to us that word feels like it's our christian word but it isn't it was here before Christianity. It, it was a part of Mark's context as Mark begins to write. It just means good news. And we all love to hear good news. Good news, students. You passed this quarter. Yes. Good news. You're pregnant. Yes. Good news. You're hired. Good news. You've got a raise. Amen. Good news, your tests came back negative. The gospel is just good news. The Greek word here, aeongelion, just means good news, good news. And so, in the context of our text here, it is a recognized word that is used to describe good news, usually for Rome, in Roman propaganda or Roman politics. It was used on the battlefield. It was associated with military might and, 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 uh, and force. And on the edges of Rome where they were pushing on to continue um, bringing in more of the world under their power, they would have someone delegated to come back and shout, Good news! Good news, Pax Romana, there is peace in Rome. Rome has gathered more and created peace by force. Good news, good news. So, commonly known, the, the pre-inscription here from uh, 9 BCE, you'll see here on the screen, is a tablet carved out and was found in the ancient city of Preen. And the dialogue was over the changing of the calendar, but up at the top portion of it, it acknowledges that Augustus is born and is son of God, 
whose birth makes the beginning of euangelion. It's gospel. It's good news. This was the Roman phrase. This phrase didn't belong to, to the chosen people. This, this, this phrase didn't belong to Jesus. This phrase didn't belong to the church. It was the phrase of, of the state. It was the phrase of the powerful. Good news. Augustus is here. He is the son of God. We will continue to stretch our territory out. And by force, we will create a strong peace. But Mark comes along, and Mark says, no, 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 not today. Mark gets here, and he says, this is not how the good news will be known. And so Mark begins to etch out his genre of writing, this, this gospel that he has, and he draws our imaginations in towards his version or his idea of good news. This good news is not about Rome or for Rome. This good news was going to be for all people. This gospel was not about Augustus. It was about a, a, a Jewish a carpenter's son named Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He is from a people who are being occupied and marginalized. This is where the good news is going to come from. He comes with non-military, non-imperial power and might. He brings a different kind of gospel. He doesn't come from the controlling class. He doesn't even come from the epicenter of religious thought. He comes from the wilderness and he brings a different kind of good news. Instead... This son of God that Mark writes about, he's being announced from the margins, from the wilderness. He will teach peace and sacrifice, not war or self-preservation. He will heal and feed and love, not hate or rob or, or uh, initiate violence. Then he himself will be betrayed. And surrender and die. He will not betray, nor will he take life. This good news is a different kind of gospel. This Jesus Christ is a different kind of king with a different kind of king-like gospel than the one the world is used to. Good news. Mark is giving all those who read his gospel permission to be different from the world. We get to think differently. We get to act differently. We get to teach differently. We get to live differently because we serve a different kind of king. David Frost, in Keeping Christianity Weird, writes, We are called to be eccentric, off-center, unique, different, not conformed to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We were meant to, we were always meant to be different. Adventists, we have a special term for it. We call it peculiar. Everybody say peculiar. Yes, we were called to be peculiar. For the longest time, I would preach against this. I would just say, listen, we don't want to be peculiar. And I just would challenge every place to go, let's not be peculiar. It's weird. No one wants to hook up with somebody who's peculiar. Right? I mean, who does that? Hey, you know, want to meet my friend? He's really peculiar. 
No, nobody wants that. And then it dawns on me that what if the problem with my reading or understanding of peculiar is that I had not actually ever defined what it meant to be peculiar, except through the glasses of being someone unwanted. What if peculiar meant to be more mindful, more kind in a world full of misogyny, more caring in a world full of hate, more open in a world full of exclusion? What if the gospel tells me to be different means that I'm going to be a good person in a bad world? What if the gospel was different and called me to be different and peculiar and weird and unique and off-centered and loving and good and kind. Mm. We are called to be peculiar and to have a peculiar kind of gospel. This gospel was very peculiar and weird and off-centered to Rome because Rome was used to creating their sense of peace by force by power, by strength, even amongst those who were occupied, there was a central place for religiosity. And Jesus wasn't even coming from that place. He wasn't announced from the temple or from Jerusalem. He was announced from the wilderness. The coming Messiah, King of Kings, is the King of Kings announced from the outside, from the margin to the inside. For Jesus, the good news was always for others. Oh, the wonder and the beauty of this season when we think about the God who loves the other, not the God who loves God's self. Jesus, the good news, was always for others, for children. It was for the hungry. It was for those off-center. And maybe for the rest of the Roman world, Maybe for his society and his time, Jesus was too eccentric. Maybe it was too much to love like Jesus and be like Jesus and look the way this, this Messiah looked. But Jesus couldn't be any other way because Jesus is Son of God who is the author of love. Jesus couldn't be any other way. Jesus had to be himself. And that meant looking like someone who was going to care for others at a deep price of sacrifice. I was growing up, uh, it's, very, it's very awkward uh, to be somebody who was born in one place and then grew up in another place. If you know what I mean, say amen. There's a few of you out there, you're a little bit embarrassed. It's okay, look, we're all here together, it's fine. Right? You, grew, you, you were born someplace and you look like those people and then you move to another place and none of those people look like you. And, and they have customs that you don't have. And so growing up, you know, I was always kind of the large kid. All, my whole family was. All of us were born in double digits, my, my, my three siblings and I. Double digits. That's normal for Tongans. For Filipinos, you come in at about five pounds. <laughs> so cute. We come in double digits. One day I'm sitting there and I'm... I'm kind of bummed, and my dad comes and says, Iggy, what's wrong with you? I said, Dad, it's so hard. I don't want to go to school anymore. He says, why? I said, I don't know. It's just, I'm so different. No one looks like me. No one talks like me. 
I don't know if I'm Tongan or if I'm American or if I'm neither. I feel like I'm Hispanic. <laughs> so, well, yeah. My dad sits there. The most, my hero. I mean, I, I couldn't think of any, any human being better than my father. Just gentle, sweet. Cries about everything. Just always cares deeply. He's about this tall, so he sits next to me and he holds me like this. He says, son, you cannot be anything else but you. And if you try to be something else, you'll always fail. And it's okay for you to be different from anyone else. Because that's the way you were created. And so find the beauty and the magnificence of who you are and your difference and just be that way. And everyone else will be okay with it. So I'm sorry, everyone. It's my dad's fault I am the way I am. But I think about this. Sometimes the church is afraid to be different from the world that we live in. Sometimes it's easier to go about in the rhythms and the cultures of the spaces that we are. But God calls us to a different gospel. To follow a different kind of king. A Jesus who doesn't look the way the world looks. And calls us into that place. The church is sacred. Not because our name says church. Not because we call ourselves Christians. We are different because we are following the covenant of Jesus. And we live in the way of Jesus. Not to be more right, but to be more loving. Amen. We live in a world full of people who are always trying to be right. And dare I say, those who follow this creed follow the creed of Rome. Who would by force and by coercion and by debate and fighting would rather be right than loving. But the church in the footsteps of Jesus chooses to be loving. Now, Mark also illuminates on one other gem in this, in this title. And I'm, I'm almost done. Amen? Okay, hang in there. Hang, hang in there, my friends. Y'all look good. Okay. The word beginning here in the title of this book is a reclamation of the good work of God's creative deeds in the world. It echoes the very words of Genesis in the beginning and the good work that God does there. And so when Mark says the beginning of the gospel, what he is suggesting is that this good work that is different from the world around us has been going on long before Rome and will be here long after Rome. In other words, the, the earthly kingdoms and governance of our world will never take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful thing that will last beyond empires and governments and, 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 and those who create these earthly structures. The, the kingdom of Jesus 
This good, creative, tove kind of work that God is doing has been happening since the very beginning. Lisa Harper, in a very good gospel, writes, we are, oh, sorry, she writes, uh, but the Hebrews, as she compares Hebrew thought and Greek thought on what is good, she first states that Greek thought about good means being good, like the thing, the person is good inside, outside, feels great about themselves. But the Hebrew understanding of this, uh, of goodness, is located between things. As a result, the original hearers would have understood Tov to refer to the goodness of the ties and relationships between things in creation. And so when we think about the good work, the wonder of this season, it really isn't about the, the, the goodness of how we are doing, but the goodness that is happening between us. Between us. Everywhere. That the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus is shared in our living. There, the gospel work continues. And so as we push into this Advent season. And we think about the beginning. This is Mark saying, this is Mark's Advent. This is the coming of God for Mark. Ah, something different and beautiful is starting here. And if we begin to live this way between each other, between um, our friends and our peers and our families and our co-workers and our world, there we will begin to see the gospel taking hold. And where the gospel takes hold, light begins to, to come forth. And as that light becomes comes forth, it is a signal to all around that, hey, there is a new season beginning. My wife and I, my wife and I, when we got married, I lived in Long Beach. I lived in, uh, in, a, in a towerist kind of building on the 17th story. And when my wife and I got married, she moved in and she complained about it being so high off the ground. That's the first thing she did. She said, we can't live here. And I said, why? She was like, what if there's an earthquake? I said, in California, we'll all be dead. Don't worry. She said, no, this is too high off the ground. Like, we need safety. And, and so, you know, we, we talked about it, and we stayed. We stayed. We stayed there for, for quite a many years. We had two of our kids, and then we were living in this 680-square-inch little square box up on the 17th story, and we decided it was time for us to move. So we moved into a, uh, into a community that was closer to the school our children were going to. And the community itself was, um, it's kind of like, you know, like a neighborhood kind of space. We had never lived in a neighborhood kind of space. We were in Long Beach, in downtown Long Beach. There were lights there were cars, there was music, there were festivals, there was food. You could find any kind of good food you want any time of the night. And so when we moved to this, this neighborhood, the first thing my wife says is, we're too low to the ground. <laughs> Hold on a second. What? Yeah, now people can get into our house. <laughs> Never perfect with you, miss. We get into our home, and we moved in, and she's like, can we sleep? I said, yeah, we can sleep. She's like, but what if we're sleeping, and someone creeps in the window? I said, where'd that come from? She's like, we never had to worry about that on the 17th story. 
Nobody was creeping in the windows. I said, good point. She's like, so what do we do? And so for the first, uh, it was a long time, we would every night at about 7 o'clock in the neighborhood, because it's a neighborhood, all the lights died out and it was dark, and we would just stand at our windows looking out. And we'd, we'd ask things to each other like, do you think anyone else is alive? Is this, is, what's happening out there? Are they all really asleep? Why are there no lights? And it was just a dark, dark neighborhood. Oh, we moved in in the late fall and we were feeling out of place. We were used to, to having bright lights and, and, and a world that was full of life. And here we were in this dark, cold, weird, foreign neighborhood. But then, after Thanksgiving... In the late of November, all of a sudden, we're driving home and one house has just a string of Christmas lights around their gutters. And then a day later, two homes have it. And then a week passes and all of a sudden, what was a dark and cold foreign place to us was illuminated with lights all kinds of lights, green and red and blue and purple. And the night sky was being lit by these homes that brought all of the glorious lights out. And my wife says, now, now it feels like we are safe at home. Then she said, go outside and put our lights up. Mark, the dark, cold, foreign night with occupiers in their space, with force and coercion all around them, lights, an advent light. Then he lights this light bright so that someone else can light the light. And a trickle of lights begin to swarm down into history. And here we sit today to celebrate the light of Jesus the Christ. We dare not leave this place unless we are willing ourselves to bear the same light into the world. A light of goodness, of warmth, of tobe. A light that says... Emmanuel, God is with us.